How do we become the favorite substitute teacher? Is it okay to be the favorite substitute teacher? What's our favorite stories that we've shared in the classroom? And finally, guess what we can make Alexa do? Let's get it started. All right, guys, I want to welcome you to Substitute Teachers Lounge this week. I want to tell you that you're stuck with me this week. We've had a bunch of interviews, several episodes in a row. I'm thankful that we have time to do that midweek episode, too. So thanks to Elijah and Jackson for being with us on this week's episode of that. I want to mention something that Buzzsprout is telling us, that while kids are home from school, we can normally expect about a 20% drop in podcast listening, mainly because people often listen to podcasts in their cars and while they're exercising. So some of that might go away and it's not as convenient to listen to them. But I want to tell you that we have held our own and I know for sure that we've got some new listeners because... I've had some people say that while they want to go back and listen from the beginning, what would I recommend as some of the episodes to listen to? So Buzzsprout is really good with statistics. So let me just mention something quickly. Our most popular episode, if you just look at the first seven days after it was released, is episode 32, Volleyball Players Talk About Subs, Courtside, and Which Reward Systems Work. Another episode I included was the most listens in the first 30 days, a little bit more staying power. That's episode 34, The Stuff Substitute Teachers Can't Live Without. And then 90 days, I guess the most staying power of any were released. Keep in mind that a lot of our episodes haven't hit 90 days, so this may change. But the most listens of any episode in its first 90 days is episode 30, the three P's for substitute teachers and mahalo from Hawaii. So if you want to listen to the most popular ones, you can start with those. I would encourage you to go back and listen to all of them. We hope that by listening to all of them, that all of us can make ourselves better substitute teachers. So that is our goal. Now let's get to the episode. I mentioned three favorite things in the title and in the opening. Now I'm going to start with the last one first. I found this out from our friends at Curious Kid Podcast. Olivia walked me through this on the last episode that she did with her father, Jacob, and I want you to listen to what we can make Alexa do. Alexa, open Apple Podcast, play Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Getting Substitute Teacher's Lounge from Apple Podcasts. Resuming Sub-TL Student Spotlight, meet Rosie from England. You attended act, any activities you're involved with, anything along those lines that you'd like to share with us? Okay, sure. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought that was pretty cool. I'm glad that the Curious Kid folks showed me how to do that. If you have Alexa in your house, 
You can just ask it to open Apple Podcasts and play Substitute Teacher's Lounge. It will probably play the most recent episode you've been listening to. And the reason it can really be handy, if you're listening to this through Apple Podcasts, either on your earbuds in your car or while you're exercising, then it will hold that spot. Which then means if you're on Alexa inside your house under the same account that you were using while you were listening while you were out, it will know exactly where you left off. So that's kind of a convenient way to listen to the podcast. If you're at home more often than you have been in the past, you can catch up on it there. It makes it really convenient. You could be sitting on your couch and just tell Alexa to play it. And Alexa is going to do that. So that is my new favorite Alexa command. The second thing that was mentioned in the title of the podcast today is it mentions favorite classroom stories. And I got to thinking, I have recently on another person's podcast, they asked me to share a few minutes about perhaps the most famous teachers, or I even made it so it was the most famous substitute teachers, and then a story that I have shared while I was a substitute teacher in the classroom that might not be the kid's favorite necessarily, but it's my favorite, and I got to thinking when I shared that on the other podcast, and I'll tell you what podcast that is as soon as it's made public there. But I got to thinking, I've never really shared that story with you guys. So without further ado, I'm going to do that right now. I want you to hear the story that I shared with them. And you can let me know what you think later at gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. So here we go. If you talk about famous teachers, most everybody at the top of their list will mention Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan. And there's been so many books written about them. There's really nothing more I could say. So instead, I thought I would talk about famous substitute teachers. There's two I want to bring up and then a story I'll share. Probably the two most famous substitute teachers was, believe it or not, Albert Einstein was a substitute teacher for two years in Switzerland. And then uh, John Scopes was a substitute teacher in Tennessee. Now, he was a substitute teacher in 1925 and he openly spoke about his belief in evolution while he was in the classroom. And at that time, that was illegal in the state of Tennessee. So he mentioned monkeys. He went to a trial because he got sued, and those were called the Scopes Monkey Trial. So that's probably the two famous substitute teachers. I wanted to mention from a history standpoint, a story that I have used often in my classroom just to kind of let them know how I feel. And it coincides with England as well, too. Most of you all know everywhere that on November 22nd, 1963, our president, JFK, John Kennedy, was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. I was only five at that time. And probably the thing that I remember about it most was that uh, Jack Ruby ended up shooting Lee Harvey Oswald live on camera while they were transferring him between prisons. And I remember that morning, my dad coming out and saying, they've shot him. They shot the guy that killed the president. So it was really a crazy time. And I will say that to lead to this. This is usually the story I share. I am a big Beatles fan. 
uh, so much so that I have visited Liverpool, England at one time, and I was able to visit the childhood homes of John Lennon and Paul McCartney and be shown where they spent a lot of time writing their music. And it's interesting. There's a lot of people that feel that, you know, when the British invasion of music got here in early, late 1963, early 1964, and was definitely highlighted by the Beatles music, that a lot of people think that the United States was looking for a way to pick themselves back up. They needed a pick-me-up. They needed some upbeat music, and they needed some things to listen to to lift their spirits. And we think that's one of the reasons why the Beatles are still considered the most popular musical group that's ever performed in the United States. So we're thankful for that. I share that story in my classroom. It's just a little way to connect uh, the assassinated of John Kennedy and the pick-me-up that this nation needed. So there you have it. That's my favorite story that I share in the classroom. You know, I have thought that for years, and I just thought I was crazy that maybe the Beatles wouldn't have quite been as popular if the country wasn't hurting and just looking for something exciting to pick us back up. But then I've read other people that have the same thoughts since then. So it's interesting that kind of like the butterfly effect, I guess, if maybe our president had been shot, who knows, maybe the American bands would have maintained more popularity than the British bands that came over. But that's the story that I share in the classroom. I'm sure my students would tell you they there's some other other stories I've shared that they thought were more exciting, probably that made them laugh more. I have to really be careful about that because a lot of times I'll be in a classroom, especially the ones that I've taught not very many times. And I just think of interesting stories that come up based on what they're studying. And all of a sudden I realize I've killed 10 minutes sharing the story and I apologize to them because they need to get their work done. And they, they usually just say, oh, Mr. College, we'd rather hear your stories anyway. So that was my favorite story. And I know a lot of you all have favorite stories too. Feel free to send them to me. I would love to share them in my classroom. Send them to me at gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. All right. How do you become the favorite substitute teacher? What does that even mean? Now, I'll be honest with you. I will have always been very reluctant about recording something like this because I don't want it to come across as smug. And I will tell you that when I first started substitute teaching, I had no desire or no goals, probably I should say, to be a favorite substitute teacher. I didn't think like it was something that would ever happen. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my personality that most of you probably already know. I am an extrovert. Most people that have met me will tell you that. I like to crack jokes all the time. I like to be funny when we're in a group of people. I uh, have been described as somebody that never met a stranger. I'm the kind of guy, sometimes to the chagrin of the rest of my family, I'm the kind of guy that will walk up and make my McDonald's order and perhaps talk to the person taking the order just like I've known them my whole life. That's, that's just always been my personality. And when I first started substitute teaching, what I had to deal with was people previously telling me, oh, you might not like it if you start in the public schools. Why don't you start in the private schools? Because they don't have 
as many problems. And I thought about that, but then I started in the public schools. I will tell you, I mentioned I'm an extrovert. When I was laid off from a job, they actually provided outplacement for me. And I hope I don't offend any of the accountants out there, but they joked around with me after I took their questionnaire and said, well, you're such an extrovert, you probably shouldn't be in accounting. And they suggested that I either change careers or at least move from a company that makes widgets or makes something into one that provides a service. So I went to a hospital on their recommendation. I did financial work there. I loved that job. Loved all the people I work with. I will say my previous jobs that there were some that I just dreaded to have come by because they were the typical, shouldn't say typical, they were hard-nosed, my way or the highway type people. And I've never been that way in my life. So maybe I was in the wrong profession, but I was an extrovert so much that even the outplacement office told me to find a job where I could deal with people more often. I remember my first week on the job, one of the people that came in and asked me something, I, I cracked some kind of stupid joke. And I remember her saying, well, what do you know, a funny accountant? And again, I apologize. There's plenty of funny accountants out there, but I just thought that was a comical story. And I tell you all that so that you know my personality. First day on the job, my first substitute job ever. It was November 30th, 2018. I went to a sixth grade middle school. I won't say scared to death, but really anxious. You never know how you're going to come across. You hope you do at least good enough to be asked to come back. One thing I did know, I wasn't going to, my strategy wasn't going to go in there and be somebody I was not. So I wasn't going to go in there and just start yelling at the kids to make them know it was my way or the highway. That's not me. So instead, I taught them the science that they were learning that day. It's funny. I think every class that I've taught since then, I've actually learned something myself. So, and especially in, in especially in non-math categories, math I know pretty well, but I have to reacquaint myself on a lot of things. So, my first day it was a science class, and I remember walking in and seeing her desk for the first time. This was the second day in a row that this teacher needed a substitute, and I just got lucky because I had figured out how to use, at that time it was ESOP, it's now Frontline, I had figured out how to use that system, so I basically refreshed it every five minutes until something popped up and I was all ready to go. So I showed up that day, I walked in, on her desk were good instructions, but also a nice letter and a business card from the substitute teacher the day before. And I'm thinking, oh man, man, I just don't know what I should be doing here. I I should have had business cards printed up. I should have made it a lot formal process. And it really kind of made me concerned already about how that day would go. I decided that at the end of the day, I I didn't want to be competitive. I didn't want to hide the business card of the other substitute teacher. I just noted what she said. And, you know, I already knew that I was a positive person and that it was going to be hard for me to find faults in the kids. I wasn't going to yell at the ones that gave me trouble. I was going to sternly tell them what I thought and 
tell them that I'll respect them as long as they respect me. And I went from there. So then my strategy was to find a piece of paper on her desk, tell her at the end of the day, and I wouldn't have lied about it, but it was, in fact, the case that I enjoyed the day. Did I have any problem students? Yes. Did they pay attention once I told them what they needed to be doing? Yes, at least for a little while, at least as much as I would have when I was their age, probably. So we all stayed on task. All of a sudden, I get home that night after I had left good notes for the teacher. I had told her which class I liked best, and she had to be gone the next day. Both the ladies, the previous substitute's business card was laying out, and my handwritten, crude, sloppy handwriting note was also laying out, and she texts me. She needed to be gone again. Now, I had one advantage. One of my students in the class was her son. Her son went home and recommended me, and I was shocked. I'm thinking, why in the world would he recommend me over somebody else? So I started asking the students when I went back, hey, guys, how you doing today? And several of them said, Mr. Collins, you're, we really like it when you're in our class. And I'm thinking, man, what have I done to make them feel that way? I thought I was just coming in and being myself. But I will tell you this, regardless of what they said, I treated them in a positive way. I would never give them the feeling that I looked down on them. In fact, I kind of made it a thing after that to go into every class that I substitute taught and said, guys, I respect you guys because I know you're going to respect me to kind of set some things up. I'll tell them often that if they're not already, many of them are going to be smarter than me. I'm going to try to learn some things from you guys as much as possible. And that's the way the day went. I even noticed some of the regular teachers were fussing at some of the kids more than I did. I'm sure that was part of it. Fussing is not in my repertoire, I guess is the best way to say it. So the kids enjoyed it. I have a lot of goofy stories that I like to share. I would recommend that to everybody. But the first thing I'll say, or one of the first things, is... I became their favorite substitute teacher without ever really trying. I mean, I just went in and gave them respect. Before too long, they felt confident enough to come up and share stories with me. And I mean, share stories with me. Now, let's be conscious of something here. I had no intention of going in there and artificially becoming anyone's best friend, whether that be a student or a teacher. In fact, I will tell you that I've actually had some teachers tell me, hey, the kids really like you. And one of them told me I wasn't so sure that was a good thing at first, but they actually got their work done. So here's where I'm going with all this. I try to show compassion first and correction second. I I, I typically give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I had no desire to be their favorite, but I certainly didn't mind when it turned out that way. Now, I will tell you that I'm not everybody's favorite substitute teacher. I will tell you a story that I thought was kind of funny. In fact, it was the last week of school before our long break that 
one of them came up to me and said, Mr. Collins, you're my second favorite substitute teacher. And I thought for a while, and then I said, you know, I'll take that. Tell me who your favorite is. And they told me, and I know that person, and they're one of my favorite people too. So I think they made a good choice, and I don't mind second place, or I'd like to be in the top 10 maybe. But I want to be someone that the kids look forward to dealing with because I certainly look forward to seeing them. I love it when I see them out in public and I get to talk to them in a different way. You know, you've heard me talk about how close I become with some of the girls who play in softball or volleyball because I get to see them a lot. You know from the students that I interview that I ask them about substitute teachers all the time and They prefer the ones that stay interactive with them, that share the stories. I've also heard, and you've heard if you've listened to all the podcasts, the ones they don't like are the ones that maybe fuss at them for something as simple as sharpening a pencil, like get be done with it and hurry up, or the ones that just come in and basically are babysitters and come in and sit at the chair. I will recommend to you that Those kids watch the substitute closely. They are naturally going to be more inclined to remember the ones that talk and interact with them more often than the others. That's all I'm doing. I'm doing it because it's my personality, but anybody can share stories, and they're really going to like those. I don't care if you're an extrovert or an introvert. If you're somebody that doesn't particularly enjoy talking in front of groups, Well, you know, that's going to make substitute teaching hard because that's part of the job. You have to interact with the students. But always remember, all those students are in different situations. We're going to have an opportunity here in a few weeks, whenever we return to a substitute teaching role, of picking kids back up that have just been through the same layoff that we have. It's going to be a weird time. It's going to be something that they're looking for somebody to help pick them back up from a time when that they're going to end up talking about and sharing with their kids and their grandkids. It's really bizarre. It's like the stories when I've shared, you know, I shared that Kennedy story earlier in the episode. I talked to them on occasion, not much, but on occasion about 9-11, They know that I will be an advocate for them. I try to make them a better person. They'll try to, they'll help me be a better person. I'll go to bat for them. I'll take up for them. And I will say, yes, if you go to a school and the kids are excited to see you there, and it almost gets to a point where it's a little embarrassing because they're coming up and saying, hi, Mr. Collins, and all the other teachers are looking, maybe some of the other subs. That's made me feel guilty in the past. I don't really feel to feel guilty about it anymore. I kind of embrace it. I enjoy it. It's Now, there's also kids that will walk straight by me. I consider those kids a challenge. I try to make sure I go out of their way and talk to them too because for whatever reason— They're not comfortable enough with me yet, but there's always a way to interact with each and every student. Maybe you see a drawing on their desk that they've done while they had some free time. You can comment about it. Maybe they'll share a story with you that something they had to go through and you can be sympathetic with them. 
maybe they'll share stories of a previous substitute. And whether you agree with their story or not, you can at least help that make you be a better substitute teacher. So I will end this week's episode by saying this. I did not ask to be anybody's favorite substitute teacher. I did not set it as a goal to be a favorite substitute teacher. Am I enjoying it when some of the kids come up to me and say that I'm at least one of their favorite substitute teachers? You betcha. Do I want that from the teachers too? You betcha. But I tell you what, there's so many students that share with their teachers how they like their substitute that one leads to the other. One moves you to the top of the substitute teachers list. I have teachers all the time that I consider my favorites. Probably a big part of that is because they ask me to substitute for them a lot. So I just naturally get to know them more. Sometimes I'll see them at sporting events and I get to talk to them that way. But guys, it's all right to be a favorite substitute teacher. How do you get there? Just treat everyone with respect, especially when we go back. Maybe we can learn lessons about how it's so great to be treated with respect and it feels good to treat others with respect too. It feels good. It feels better to give than it does to receive even. Treat each other with respect. You're going to run into all kinds of kids You're going to run into kids that dress differently, that look different, that behave differently, that just want someone to help motivate them or just be someone that they can talk to and feel comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that. So strive to do the best substitute teaching job you can And if that creates a situation where you become a favorite substitute, well, more power to you. You've done a good job. I thank you for being here this week. We'll talk about things like this again. I hope things are going well with you. It's Easter Sunday when this drops in the United States. So I hope that you have a good Easter. I hope you can interact, you know, in a safe way with some. Do your best. Be ready when you return to school to do your best with those kids and don't strive to be the favorite substitute teacher, but do things that will make you the favorite substitute teacher. All right, so we'll see you again midweek for Student Spotlight, and we'll see you here next Sunday for Substitute Teachers Lounge. Music provided by Ben Sound.